трибунах холеют знамена, Облака под небесни плывут. На зеленом ковре стадиона разноцветные майки цветут. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Russian Football News Podcast. We've just gone past the first weekend of opening fixtures for the Russian Premier League, so we'll be going over those today, obviously. We're also going to be discussing the European fixtures which are coming up this week as we see Russian sides trying to make it to the group stages of both the Champions League and the Europa League. And on the website, you might have seen that we did a roundtable discussion of predictions for the season, which by the end of the season, people either make us look like geniuses or fools. So we'll be going over the roundtable for this season and just giving you some predictions, really. So uh, I'll just introduce the guests while we're at it. So, Toka, we have the editor-in-chief there. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm good. It's always a pleasure. Good stuff. And we have Andrew once again. Hey, good to be back. No problem. Andrew Flint, of course, BBC World News' latest celebrity. <laughs> Although that was about that was about a month ago now. <laughs> <But still. laughs> Living off past glory. Yeah, no exactly. <laughs> okay, so we may as well... we'll We'll dive straight into the round table, I think. That's a good place to start with predictions and things. So, our questions that, of course, Toka kindly set the writers was, the first question was, what will the top five look like this season and who will win the cup? Question two was, who will end up being relegated? Question three was, which club will be the biggest disappointment this season? Number four was, which club will be the biggest surprise? I'm not sure whether that was good or bad surprise, but we'll see. I'm assuming good. Um, number five, and the final question was, which player will get his breakthrough this season? So, Tokra, I'm going to start off with you. Um, just give us a, just give the listeners a general reaction to how people generally went with that first question. Yeah, I think we all pretty much agreed that Senate would win the league, and also that CSK might be second, but also that they would struggle because they sold Ahmed Musa, and then. The whole fight for European for Europa League places on the third, fourth, and fifth place were pretty mixed up between Spartak, um, Rostov, Rubin Kazan, and um, Krasnodar, and there were some mixed reactions. But this seemed like the general opinion was that Lokomotiv would also be a disappointment this season. Yeah, um, Andrew, just about Lokomotiv there. Do you think you could give the listeners a bit of background information because it's certainly quite interesting what's gone on there. Well, yeah, I mean, Locomotive have been um, just horribly inactive in the transfer market. Toka wrote a good editorial about it about a week or two ago. Um, so, I mean, they've lost, but in lost, they've managed to offload Mubarak um, Basufa um, from the wage bill, which is good, but they've not brought anybody in. Um, they've let Jemaletdinov go uh, to Rubin, I think it was. Um, and they, they just haven't signed anybody. There's talk of Choruka leaving, the captain, um, and and probably most uh, long-term damaging of all is the talk of Olga Smodovskaya, the club president, who's been desperately unpopular, and uh, <clears throat> and she's said to be leaving, but they've even bizarrely said it won't be until at least the middle of August, which is, what, three, four weeks into the season, by which time... You know, I mean, almost the course of league matches, and twenty percent league matches will have been played, and so they just look an absolute mess at the moment. Um, they do still have some good players, but uh, it's whether they can be um, moulded into a team and perform well. And most of us don't think they will. Yeah, and Toka, there's some question marks around 
the coach's future. I'm not sure if that's still the case, given the fact they've uh, they actually drew their first game against Zenit, so that was going pretty well away at the Petrovsky. But there were questions yeah. about that, Toka. So what do we think is going on there? I don't think the the draw against Zenit changed that much. Of course, it's a, it's a good start to the season, and Lokomotiv played a, a good game. They defended well and everything. But they still were a huge disappointment last season where they ended sixth and finished outside of European football. And I think that's that's the reason why, of course, uh, Chernovchenko and the sports director, Kirill Krotov, and the whole the whole staff around the team is, is in danger of getting fired. But the problem now is that, as Andrew said, they can't do any major changes before they settle on who will be the president for the future. So they are in, in kind of a limbo right now when no decisions can be made and they just go along the way and hope things will be sorted out before the transfer window ends. So it, it is a really strange situation and basically the, the coaches have no job security at the moment because everything depends on who will be the president. And that's, of course, that's, that's not a good environment for squad and for the coaches to, to create good results. So we're... We're all predicting an outside of European places for them this season. We saw them tail off last season as well, of course, so that doesn't help things with form going into this season. Are we all predicting outside the Europeans this season for Lokomotiv? I am, definitely. I mean, if, if we compare the squad to last season, it's, it's, it's weaker than the squad that finished sixth last season. And they haven't made any improvements at all. Actually, the contrary. So I can't see them finishing the, in the top five, especially not with the... With the addition, some of the other teams have made, like Rubin Kazan, for example, they they should pass them. So Lokomotiv could actually finish even further down if, if they are unlucky. Yeah, Andrew, um, would you go with outside the, the European spots for Lokomotiv? I take it you would. Yes, I would. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think there will be a candidate for relegation as dramatically as, as Dynamo were last season. I mean, of course, we can't rule anything out, but I don't quite see it getting to that stage. But um, I really don't see it being um, anywhere near European places for them, no. And Andrew, actually, I wanted to come to you because Tucker mentioned that most people went with a Zenit for a title win, but actually you, you actually got some criticism from the club themselves on Twitter <laughs> yeah. for your they prediction. Were, they were. No, they, 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 weren't, they weren't happy with that, I guess. Um... I, I, heard, I heard they penned angry letters and everything. <laughs> You know, well, I mean, I, you know, like the I howlers mean, in uh, Harry Potter, who shouting. <laughs> <laughs> I'll expect one coming through the window any minute. Um, but yeah, I, I of course, I uh, uh, at least in the the two or three favourites for the title, probably, probably they will win the title. But I went with CSK simply, um, simply because I think that with Slutsky coming back, um, focusing entirely on the team, um, I think I think that would be better. Uh, I think they will be best prepared that way. I still think it's the one same problem or concern I had last season was the, just the lack of depth in the squad in strikers. Um, so, I mean, it, a lot will depend on Lucina Traore. I mean, if he if he gels well, I still stand by it. I think they, they could be um, candidates for the title. And the problem is, um, I would say that we've got even fewer options this season. Um, Kirill Panchenko going out on loan... And one of the most bizarre decisions I think I've ever seen. I mean, he was bought. He's, he's mid twenties. He's not. It's not like he's a young son needs development. Um, and letting him go out on loan was odd because keep him plus another mainline striker, and you could just about justify it. But um, 
anyway, I um, I hope uh, I hope Sunday fans aren't too too mad with me because they probably will be very successful this season, I'm sure. But um, I'll stand by my prediction. I think. Well, yes. as, as I said at the start, these predictions can make you look very foolish, Andrew. So I just I'm just be mindful <laughs> of that. But so could, I mean, we've talked about this before, but. Hulk going, does that really worry you? Because he, he pretty much carried that team for a few years. And obviously you've got yeah. other departures as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we talked about this before. I think Seven will definitely have to go through a sort of a transition period because they were used to just being able to give Hulk the ball and he would he would do something. He would make a long shot or make an assist, something. But now they have to have to adapt to a new reality. They don't have this superstar anymore. But but I hope it, it, it can be more of a, a, a tighter unit really because you can see the whole transfer strategy has changed. I mean in the in the past we would see another superstar like Hulk come in, but instead instead Senate have replaced him with um, with a player like Robert Mack from Park and the Slovak national team. So it is a different kind of player, but but I don't think Senate should necessarily worry. Of course, it will hurt the. Um, the whole PR apartment. We have all seen those videos with Hulk and everything. But I think once they they settle and we have some clarity about Axel Witzel's future as well, I think um, I think things will be all right for Senate. And yeah, of course it will, have, it will require some of the other players to step up. I mean, we talked a lot about how good Alishatov was last season, and I think this season he can be even better if if he's managed to step up and say, okay, now it's. Now it's time for him to take some responsibility because he can't just hand the ball off to, to Hulk. He can't even give the ball to Danny anymore because he's injured. So I think this could be an interesting season for, for Senate and, and also from uh, from Shazov especially. Yeah, one thing I wanted to mention that is I don't think off the top of my head that anybody went with Rostov for a top five finish. Um, obviously, they came second last season, going, going for a Champions League place in the qualifiers this season. Andrew, why do you think? I mean, bear in mind that we made these predictions before the registration ban came in. Just to just for the listeners, Rostov have now been banned from registering players, as I understand it. So, given that this was before then, this prediction, why do you think people didn't go with Rostov? Because Birdie, a decent, pragmatic coach, you'd think he'd be able to do it again. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I did wonder about including them in my top five, but I think most people haven't gone with them simply because they, they clearly overachieved. So, so dramatically last season. I don't think they will be far off the places. And of course, in Verde, they have the one manager who is best suited to get the most out of them, as we've seen last season. Um, you know, the squad's not changed. They're settled. They know each other. But then the squad hasn't been added to it, hasn't been supplemented. Um, and I think possibly the European campaign added to their schedule might have influenced some people. Um but I think more than anything, it's just the, even though we didn't know specifically about the transfer ban, which incidentally, I don't expect to really be much of an issue for them because it seems like a regular occurrence they're used to being with us and they end up somehow getting out of it. I don't know how, but they do. Um, and I, I I think they will be there or thereabouts, but I just don't think they have um, improved as much as some of the other sides around them would have been, um, for example, and Spartak. Uh, as they have, so yeah, I think it's um, it seems odd, but just simply because they overachieved so much last season. I don't know if Andrew's still talking, but it sounded like he took a plunge underwater. I, I don't know if he's still there, but um, I want to move yeah. on. To, I want to move. On. Are you there, Andrew? Sorry. 
Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Sound like, it sounded like you had a bit of a dive off the diving board and had a bit of trouble coming up for air. But um, anyway, I want to move on to question two now, which is who will end up being relegated? Now, Toker, again, if you don't mind just giving the listeners sort of what a, a general feel of what the writers said about this. Yeah, of course. Um, the whole relegation battle is, is really open. I, thought, I think it was, it was difficult to get a clear picture of who exactly will be relegated because it's it's so hard to predict at the moment. We have a lot of we have a lot of clubs who can go down. Really, we have um, Orenburg, we have Arsenal, Tula, we have some. We even mentioned uh, Ufa and Ural because of the players they they missed. We have uh, Krilja, we have Amkar. So there are a lot of players. Also Anji, of course. There are a lot of teams who could go down. The the one thing I found interesting was that we all pretty much agreed that um, Tams would stay up. And that that's major majorly because they have made some good signings this summer. They have signed some interesting and also uh, importantly experienced players from uh, Russian football. And I think that was that was the lesson to take from this question in the in the round table. That was that Tams would stay up. Otherwise, we would all look very stupid, and that would be that would be embarrassing. Well, like you said, we all did, and I, I was one who predicted that Tams could stay up now. Andrew, you went to see Ufa on um, Saturday. Oh, no, it was, uh, yesterday. No, it was yesterday. yesterday. Sorry, my apologies. Yes, it was yesterday, of course, against Ural. So, with many tipping Ufa for relegation, did you see anything that could change anybody's mind? Well, on the basis of yesterday, um, no, I, I, would, I would say they are prime candidates. Um, they, they, it's very hard to say after one game, and they do have a quality coach in charge. But what I found interesting yesterday was watching Goncherenko on the touchline. Um, when they announced his name, um, reading out the teams, he got a very divided reaction. There was a lot of noise against him. And he was very touchy, seemed very unusually nervous, um, even given that he's coming back to Ural after his um, controversial departure, shall we say, last last autumn. Um, he he was totally outthought by Skripchenko, um, which, again, I was surprised at because I thought he was a very thoughtful, progressive coach. Um, so on the basis of yesterday, they are, well, they, they're, they're not looking in great health, but I think I think they will survive. Um, but they, they didn't give a huge amount of optimism. Um, there was no, no real attacking intent from them, no, no real attacking plan until the second half. Um, so, no, yesterday they were not good, not good at all. Yeah, another team that everybody seemed to mention was uh, Arsenal Tula, and of course they got battered yesterday uh, at Spartak 4-0. So, Toka, it's, it's, I mean, obviously it's, a, it's silly to judge on the first game, but everybody thought they'd do badly, and this is terrible start yeah it, it really is and it we, we all saw how, how it went for them last time where they were by far the weakest team in the in the league although we all praised them for their approach to the game and everything I, I, I had expected a bit more from them this time also I thought they made some not good signings but, but some interesting players who, who had a bit of experience but the game against Bartok yesterday that was very disappointing and of course, it would be a very hard season. And when, when we, however, when we talk about these uh, relegation spots, the problem with Russian football is it's so it's so unpredictable. I mean, we had Dinamo going down last season. We had Antje going down a couple of seasons ago. I mean, it's absolutely impossible to predict in a, in in, in a early early roundtable like this. And yeah, I, I think 
I, I could even see Rostov go down if, if all the off-the-field issues end in a bad year of leaving the club and maybe a, a key player or two. I mean, it, it's so close at the moment, especially at the bottom. So I, I think we have six or seven, eight clubs who, who could go down if, if the luck goes against them. Yeah, we saw it the last day of last season where there was a good number of clubs, I can't remember the exact number now, who were all fighting for their lives on the last day of the season, which just shows that, I mean, it could be the same this season. There's a lot of sides and they'll all be scrapping each other for it, each more determined than the other, really. So we'll see how that goes. Now, to tie into that, I want to I mould these questions together, really, question three and four, which is biggest surprise and biggest disappointment. So, Andrew, where do you stand on both those questions? Because just before I come to you, actually, we mentioned earlier about Rubin possibly finishing in the top five, but a lot of people on the round table have gone for Rubin to disappoint, mainly because they feel that the, the amount of signings won't gel. Well, it's, it's a big risk, really, and I, I can understand why, they, why they've gone for Rubin, um, a lot of people. Um, I, I, on balance, I think, they will, I think it will work out simply because they've just got so much strength and depth. Um, I I think most of the signings are pretty good signings. Um, Alex Song is he's got a potential to be uh, you know a bit of a big name and think he's bigger than he really ought to be. But I still, he's a great he's a great player. So they've got so much quality. I think they can't fail to at least at least challenge for Europe. And I do strongly believe they will. Um, I do think they will make it into the top five. Um, I mean, in terms of disappointment, well. <laughs> Each season, there's plenty of candidates for potential disappointments in Russian Premier League, unfortunately. But um, I mean, I I'm not sure. Like I said I went for locomotives simply because of their history, but I'm not even sure it's technically a disappointment anymore. I mean, they kind of have come to expect controversy off the pitch. So um, yeah, I I do stand I do stand by um, locomotive. I do think they will struggle this season and. Yeah, and fans of any club have got to expect ambitiously. They've got to have some sort of target to aim at, not just be content with treading water in mid-table. So, but on that basis, locomotive fans should be disappointed with not challenging for Europe, which I don't think they will. So, yeah, that's that's what I would go with. But Toka, Andrew, Andrew seems pretty convinced. I don't want to put words in your mouth there, Andrew, but you seem pretty convinced with Rubin's <laughs> challenge for top five. But Toka, on the round table questions, you were. Pretty much the opposite. You you questioned Alex Song's motivation essentially, and quite a lot of other aspects of Ruben's transfer policy. Yeah, I mean, of course, Ruben made some really interesting signings, and I hope Alex Song will be a, a big success. But the Russian Premier League, is, uh, both in the top and, as I said before, in the bottom, it's it's so close, and we have a lot of teams, also rich teams on the, on the same level as Ruben, fighting for the top five spots. So just because Rubin has spent a lot of money this season and bought in some new players, nothing is certain. They're not guaranteed a, a spot in the top five or in the top three, whatever they they want. So I could easily see them miss out, especially if they re- require some time to to adapt. They've brought in a lot of players who don't have any experience from Russian or East European football. So I can imagine it taking some time for some of these new players and a new coach and a new a, a tactical approach and everything to to settle and I mean you don't buy nine players in the summer and then things work out perfectly from the beginning and if Rubin don't finish in 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 under European spot it will definitely be um, a disappointment because you don't spend what does they spend 20 30 40 million, 30 million euros this summer 
Uh, you don't spend that to finish six or seven. Of course, you, they want to compete in Europe this season. And then, yeah, as I said about Alex Sung, I, I, I think it's a very interesting signing, and I'm impressed that Rubin can, can get him, but it is, it is also a bit of a strange move. I mean, he had an enormous contract at Barcelona, and it seemed that no one was really keen on signing him and fill, uh, meeting his his uh, contract demands. And then we, we have this newly rich Russian club coming to 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 give him a, a golden contract. It's almost a bit cliche, I think. But yeah, it's cliche of Russian football, I'll add. Yeah, exactly. I mean, let's see. Uh, yeah, as I as I wrote in the in the roundtable, the same could be said about Shimaletinov. He he played five games last season, and now he's one of the best pay, paid uh, youngsters in in Russia. So it is difficult to to keep the motivation to keep developing and everything. So yeah, I I think that they could be in for a harder season than we'd expect just by looking on the on the signings because this isn't football manager. Things things take time. Yeah, it's all about that Russian passport for those young players, though, isn't it? But, um, but Andrew, who do you think will be the biggest surprise this season? I'm going to put it in a positive light. Who do you think can actually break through this season? Um, well, I'm I'm going to put in a word for Ural, the t- my nearest Premier League side. Um, I mean, they they've never really had any expectation, and a lot of people, like you mentioned earlier, have tipped them for possibly even being in a relegation battle this season. And you know, I can't deny that it is a possibility, but um, I've, I was doing a lot of asking of all the local journalists yesterday um, about some of the new signings because I, I didn't know a lot about some of them. Um, but they, the transfer policy at Ural and the scouting system is is absolutely first class. Um, they never really seem to buy, other than Pavlichenko this season, which I admit is a big surprise, um, they they tend to go under the radar with their signings. Like they brought in a couple of Serbian centre-backs, Dominic Dinga arrived last summer, um, and uh, and then they've they brought in this Georgi Chanturia, um, who went on trial at Barcelona, um, and when he came on, he was he was absolutely hilarious. He was intent on entertaining everybody for ten minutes, and he he had one challenge came towards him. He knocked make the player, and then did a no look pass twenty yards into the centre circle, completely unnecessary, but pure pure entertainment. Um, now, whether he'll be actually worthwhile in the, you know, the, <clears throat> the meat of a, a season's challenge, I don't know. But they, they've got some good players there. Um, uh, Pavlichenko looks motivated. Uh, Chisamba Lungu, I was absolutely, I was mesmerised by him. Um, re, reinvented, I say, centre forward or a, a second striker. So I think Ural will surprise a lot of people. Because you're clearly ashamed to self-promote, I'm just going to say that Andrew's written a fascinating piece on Zumba on the website if you want to go and check that out. So just because he doesn't want to self-promote, I'll do it for him. So, <laughs> so who, who's your breakthrough this season, your big surprise? I've been optimistic for, for once in my um, in my surprise of the season. I've, I've gone with Anshi. I don't think when we look at Anshi's team, it's, it's not very good, but getting the former Czech national team coach, Pavel... Rapper, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, but he he's one of my favorite coaches. He's he's played some magnificent football in uh, with Victoria Pilsen in the Czech League. I watched them beat FC Copenhagen a couple of years ago in the Champions League qualification. I bet you and love since, that. Since then, he has been one of my favorites. And yeah, I mean, the Czech Republic didn't play the best Euro, but they played good in the qualification, and he is known for playing some 
offensive and entertainment entertaining football and i think that 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 could actually be interesting because Anshu do have some they do have some technical skilled players like Maximov and Yannick Bolli and everything so i think i think that would be interesting to follow especially if they if they keep him keep him on the books unlike uh, Simon last season yeah i made this point to you actually when we were talking about this token that you said, oh, yeah, it's great with the entertaining football. But I said, isn't that actually the last thing that Angie need, given that they do have a lot of trouble conceding goals? They have one of the worst defensive records in the league last season. They surely it, need it, a coach who can just keep it tight at the back rather than looking at going forward all the time. It might, it might be. I mean, we have seen, we saw Tula go down with a, with a bang two years ago by playing offensive football. And I could easily see this crash. But in a league where we have, Almost half of the teams playing with five defenders and just staying behind the ball. I think it's it's at least refreshing that we have a team trying with with some offensive um, optimism and and some new ideas. I mean, it, it it does get boring to watch Amka and and Terik and Ural and all these teams come with a defensive approach to all the games. So I I hope it will go well for Anju, but. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see to see it go otherwise. So you've made a prediction, but you have also said that it might go wrong. So you're you're essentially sitting <laughs> you're essentially sitting on the fence, is is what I'm saying. <laughs> that, that's I mean, my job. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when, when, when you when you have Anji as a surprise, you you have to get some some room for <laughs> for adjustments because obviously this is probably going to end in a disaster, but. I'm optimistic today. Well, you might look like a genius at the end of the season. Anyway, the final question was which player will get his breakthrough? Now, this is always an interesting question because everyone comes up with a different answer. So I'm just going to quickly read off the answer of the writers. So we had Stefano go with uh, Georgi Zhukov. We had Ilya go with Zay Luis. We had Andrew, you went for Dmitry Karabov. Uh, Joel went for Maxime Lestien. Uh, David went for Ilzat Akhmetov. Uh, I went for Luka Djordjevic at Zenit. And Tucker, you went with Sada Asmoon. So, Andrew, I'm going to come with you first. Why did you pick your player? I can't remember. Karabov, sorry. Um, Karabov, yeah, yeah. He was um, he arrived last season uh, at Ural, and he came from the FNL and was very, very highly rated. But I, I only seen him, I think, once um, playing against two men. Um, I don't remember him standing out that time, but he came onto the pitch and he was confident straight from the word go. Um, he didn't get a regular starting place last season, but he, he impressed um, under Skripchenko. And uh, because Ural have lost some of their main creative players this um, this summer, uh, Acevedo, Manicharian, even Gogni up front, you know, there's a lot of opportunity, I see, at Ural for younger players or newer players to come through and stake a claim. Um, and it was his mental approach that impressed me the most. Um, he didn't seem overall. He... He took people on, and I, I've got a lot of a lot of high hopes for him. Um, I mean, in a in a few weeks' time, when we see how some of the new signings have settled in, there might be others that would stand out too. But I think Kodobov is is um, suited mentally and and ability wise to to a lot of success in the Premier League. So that's why I've gone for him. And Tokar, I hate to question our great leader, but Sada Asmun, would you not say that he's already broken through perhaps I would say that he's he's very close I mean last season he I believe he started 15 games and scored nine goals something like that and I think that that's that that was a great that was the first season we really saw what he could do 
So what I'm looking for this season is for him to to build on that, to become a, an actual key player for Rostov to to start most of the games and also to be higher on the on the top scorer list. Of course, it's difficult because Rostov doesn't score a lot of goals, but but we have had a lot of expectations for him for a very long time, and we have heard talks about him going to Arsenal and all all the big clubs, and that's the English Arsenal, of course, not the the Russian Arsenal. Not Tula. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we have we have huge expectations for him, and what he showed last season, it, it it didn't fulfill my expectations, but it showed me that at least he seems to be going in the right direction. And I think this season, if he if he becomes an a, a regular throughout the whole season, and he avoids injuries, and they're even in Europe, so if it, if he makes some nice performances there, this could be a, a really good season. And the only problem is, of course, the whole issue with who owns him. I mean, he plays for Rostov, but Rubin claims he is there illegally and has a case against him and Rostov. So that that could be a burden uh, for him. But I think he, I, I think, and I hope he'll be in for a good season both in Russia and and in Europe because then, yeah, I, I don't think there are really any limits for him. Yeah, you mentioned the Europe thing, and that's what I wanted to move on to next. It'd be really interesting to see how he gets on in Europe if. Rostov do qualify for the group stages of the Champions League, which I really hope they do. It'd be absolutely fascinating. Leicester-Rostov final next season. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so just to... Now we move on to the European thing. I'm just going to quickly go over the fixtures. So this week, we've got the second legs of the Champions League and Europa Leagues. So Anderlecht will play Rostov. It was 2-2 first leg in Rostov. So Anderlecht with two away goals there. So quite a tough tie for Rostov back in Belgium. Spartak couldn't get past AEK Larnaca of Cyprus. That was 1-1 in the first leg in Cyprus. And Krasnodar will also play at home. And that, they, well, they beat their uh, Maltese opponents, Birkikara. I think I've got that right. Uh, they beat them 3-0 in the first leg in Malta. So let's just start with Rostov, really. I don't know what that noise is. <laughs> wait for that to calm down. There we go, it's gone. <laughs> Andrew, so Rostov... Much chance mm. in Belgium? Uh, I have to be honest, I don't expect them to pull this one off um, because, of, because of the scoreline. Before the tie, I would have expected Rostov to, to have got a, a, a narrow win, but um, the two away goals, I think, might just be too much for them. Uh, it, it depends. I mean, uh, Anderlecht may not be able to cope with a, a slightly more defensive approach, which I expect from Bergev, um, but... I would love to be more optimistic about it. I'd love to see them in the final against Leicester, like you predicted, Thomas. But yes. um, it, it would be a cracker, I have to say. Um, well, for us, anyway. Um, but I unfortunately I don't quite see it happening, which I don't think is a, all that bad a thing. I mean, financially, obviously, they would like to be there. But um, in terms of what is good for their development as a you know as an up and coming team, I think. I think Europa League is, is better for them. They'll get a bit more experience, a bit more confidence, perhaps, um, playing foreign teams. Um, so uh, they, I, I suspect they won't go through and um, going into Europa League instead. I think that probably will suit them better. Um, so I'll, I'll be supporting them. I hope they will do well, but unfortunately, I don't see it happening. Do you buy that, Toka, that they do, they'd be better off in the Europa League? Mm, that's a good question. No, no, not really. I mean, they have to go for Champions League because the, the millions they get in the Champions League will 
will help them so much, especially if they have financial fair play problems. They have especially if they get a big fin- team as well in the group stages. Yeah, they have financial problems. They have unpaid bills and everything. So, so those several million euros from the Champions League could, of course, that that could help them so much. Also, moving forward, but but of course, Rostov would struggle if they go to the the Champions League group stage. And but but that that should be definitely be the goal. But as it's of course true, as Andrew said, if they go to the Europa League, which by this stage should be. The minimum requirement for them, even though they still have to go through another round of qualification, even if they if if they lose to Anderlecht, then they, they could make some good results in the Europa League. But the, the goal should definitely be to to reach the Champions League and and get those millions because that could really help developing the club. Yeah, two two, Andrew, in the first leg mm-hmm. in Rostov, incredibly surprising given the high score. A bit strange. Yeah, I mean, I I really wasn't I really wasn't expecting it, and especially as Armlet scored so early. I think it was like three or four minutes um, into the, well into the game. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it was surprising. Um, one thing I really enjoyed uh, seeing in the game was seeing. Now I'm not going to get his name right. Said Ezatolahi, if I put his name right That'll there. Um, uh, is this? We we know who we mean. <laughs> He's. Um, he was signed last season, and I remember seeing his his youth history from Atletico Madrid. And I thought, well, this could be a quality player. Um, and what I, you know, I'd never seen him play before. The qualifier against Andalus, so and he's a, he's a big lad. He's tall, he's strong, and he looked pretty confident on the ball. Um, and he got a goal after a quarter an hour. So that was um, that was a promising sign because you know it's an extra player that hopefully they will start to be able to rely on. Um, yeah, I mean, high high scoring, it is, it is a surprise, but um, yeah, it, maybe that's maybe that's the the approach they need to take. They need to be more adventurous, and um, obviously they do need to score at least once in in Belgium. So perhaps it's a new side of we've not seen before. Well, perhaps if if he's not left by the the next game on uh, on Wednesday, <laughs> yeah, true. But um. Toko, I want to come to Spartak. We've mentioned that they thrashed Tula 4-0, but a 1-1 away draw in Cyprus. Now, I know we were told by some colleagues who happen to know about Cypriot football, a bit about Larnaca. They've actually quite a decent package in Cypriot football by the sound of it, but they should have sorted this out in the first leg. I know they've got the away goal in Cyprus, but you feel they should have sorted it out because playing on a Thursday, I know it's a really bad cliche, and I don't personally believe it, but Thursday, Sunday, you know, should have sorted out really. Yeah, and it's it, when you when you enter the tournaments this early as Spartak have done, you just get so many games early in the season. Spartak doesn't have the the most depth in in the squad, so this this could come back to hurt them late in the season, like we saw with Krasnodar, um, when they had to go through so many qualification rounds. But yeah, they, they should have won that game and they should have closed it down already. But I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain that they will move on and they, they should finish this at home uh, on Thursday because uh, I, I believe the Maltese team has, has no, uh, Cypriot. From, yeah, from uh, Cyprus, yeah, they, they are a good team and I, we have all seen Apoel and Omonia make good results previously, but. In the end, Spartak have to have to win this game. They have to reach the Europa League group stage. There's there's simply no no discussion about that. And I think I think they'll they'll finish this in um, fairly confident manner on on Thursday. 
Yeah, Apoel, of course, got to the Champions League quarterfinals in 2011-12, so Cypriot football can't all be that bad. But, Andrew, that 4-0 win against uh, Tula, that should really just give them the confidence. Do you, actually, just a quick question. Do you see them playing a strong team? Um, I I actually do. Um, I think they will. I think they want to um, just make Shukri certain of it. I think uh, Elaine Shukri can afford to. Um, I mean, if he went out to a Cypriot team, much as you know, like you just said, they they can't be that. They can't be terrible. They deserve their place here. Um, but it will just be awful for his his own standing um, at the club. I think I think they will pull out a decent side. And one player in particular, I'm really pleased to see. Um, uh, scoring already this season is Jan. Um, his goal in in Cyprus was just absolutely magnificent. Um, just danced past three or four players, great finish, uh, and he scored twice again against Arsenal as well. So I'm hoping this is um, a season where he will really kick on and get plenty of game time. So I'd like to see him play. Um, so yeah, I, I think there will be a reasonably strong side. There's just there's a bit too much um, at stake if they if they go out. So I don't think you can afford to let that happen. So I think it'll be a good side you'll put out. So we're all pretty much predicting a win for them now. Krasnodar, of course, three nil in the first leg. Game settled, isn't it, Toka? Yeah, I mean that's that's nothing really to discuss. Krasnodar are ready for the next round. They can save a couple of players and. That's that's a big advantage for them. That's one game less, and of course that that's important. Yeah, Andrew. I mean, certainly impressive from Krasnodar. We've come to expect no less, really. Do you, how? In, I'm going to ask you each this about each of the the teams in Europe. But how far do you think Krasnodar could go this season in Europe? Well, I'm really, I'm pretty hopeful of them putting up a, another good performance in Europe. I I think they should actually bare minimum get through the group stage they've got a, a really good squad that's been settled for almost a couple of years now you could argue um, and they've got plenty of strength in depth so there's no reason why they can't uh, rotate to suit their needs I think I think they should be setting their sights on course finals at least um, I mean okay that's it depends what their priorities are what um, Sergei Goditsky has told Kominov I want to focus on Europe or the league but I, I would say I'd say course finals. There's no reason why they couldn't get through a couple of knockout rounds after the group stage. So that's that's what I would say for them. Um, Spartak, I'm I'm not so sure because I, it depends how it depends how competitive they are in the league. If it's looking touch and go whether they'll make it into the top five, um, then perhaps they'll focus more on the league and and Europe will become secondary issues. So perhaps they won't put out strong side from the group stage, but. Again, I expect them to get through the group stage, but Krasnodar to get further. Um, and and Rostov, uh, I like I said, I think they will go into the Europa League qualifiers, and I, I would expect them to get through that. Um, I don't think Berdev is going to prioritise Europe at all. Um, I'd like to see it happen. It would be a nice romantic story to see you know, a team on the verge of relegation then go to become second last season and then go into Europe and have a long run and beat some famous names. But um, I see it as being group stages. I'd say Rostov possibly won't prioritise it and will go out there. Um, Spartak will get through and Krasnodar quarterfinals, I think. Okay, and what about you, Toka, for the the three teams? Yeah, uh, if I had to take them in the same way as Andrew, I think both Spartak and Krasnodar have to their goal has to be at least to advance from the group stage. From there on, of course, it, it depends a lot on who they get in the draw. But, yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, 
quarterfinals seems realistic. We saw Dnipro reach the final a couple of years ago. I don't think they were much better than the current Krasnodar side. So I don't think Krasnodar should aim at going to the final, but I don't see why they, they shouldn't be able to go at least to the quarterfinals, semifinals. And if they avoid some of the best teams, they, they could... <laughs> exactly. That was, I mean, Sparta Prague is the kind of team they have to beat nine out of ten times. It, it was a, it was a fiasco last season when they lost to Sparta Prague. I could understand Lokomotiv losing to Fenerbahce, but even them, I'd say that is the team Russian Russian team should at least be able to, to have a, have a decent chance against a side like Fenerbahce. But yeah, they they have to advance from the group stage, and after that depends on the, um, it depends on the draws regarding Spartak. They, it's, it's a difficult team to predict, but as long as they keep Quincy Promise, I don't really think there are any limits to what they can they can achieve. He's such a wonderful player. He he can do anything with the ball, and now when Hulk is gone, he is, in my opinion, the best player in the league. And as long as they keep him, they, they can't go really far if, if he performs well. Uh, for Rostov, I think just reaching the Europa League group stage, that, that's probably the the limit for their potential, but that would still be be pretty good. Any anything more than that is is a nice bonus, but at least they should go for reaching the Europa League group stage. I know that a lot of listeners will be saying, What about Cisco? What about Zenit? But I think we'll come on to that when the group uh group I'll say that again. The group stage draws are made because obviously they don't have to go through any qualifiers and we'll really be able to assess their chances when the draws are made. So now I want to move back to domestic issues and just go back to the start really we like i said in the introduction we had the first round in the over the weekend so the the so far confirmed results there's actually two more games to play so the first results were zenit nil locomotive moscow nil angie nil siska nil rostov one adenburg newly promoted of course formerly gazovic that's a bit of a farce with the name change rostov won that one nil ural uh, two nil against ufa which of course andrew was at and then Spartak, the biggest winners of the weekend, on top at the moment, 4-0 against Arsenal Tua. And then Terek with a solid 1-0 win over Krilia Sabieta. You wouldn't expect any less. So, who are, apart from Arsenal Tula, out of, the, out of, say, the big names, who are the losers here, Andrew? Um, I think that uh, Zonit's draw with locomotive was a disappointment so um i mean it's the first game of the season of course but to to drop points at home in a game they really should have been expected to beat and um, uh side they should have should be beating is a disappointment for me so i think they've, they've lost that there um cisco away andrew dropping points is more forgivable i'd say um although even still you know it's okay it is a hard result but um those are the teams you have to be beating. So I do think Cisco and Zenit have, um, have missed a trick there. Um, so those, those are the two who not, you know, they, they've come out worse, I would say, out of the, out of the first round of games. Um, I'd say Rostov getting that late win, um, was it not that Celtic scored, I think, like five minutes to go. That's, that's a bonus. That's a good win. Um, they should have, they should have been beating, uh, Orenburg. Um, but you know, when it's a tough first game of the season, you're just getting into it. Um, yeah, it's a snatcher on nil. That was good. That was good for them. So I think they came out best out of the opening games so far. Uh, Cisco, so they'll be they could be kicking themselves later in the season. 
Toka, the same question goes to you, but also an additional question. We sort of ignored Terek. Again, solid again. Just same same old Terek, really. Um, actually, I want to ask you any Kadyrov updates. Uh, I mean, I sent you that picture of his his lovely outfit for the game. He <laughs> oh, had a fantastic. He, he had a really nice camouflage suit on with the <laughs> Russian flag and and uh, Akhmat Arena on the front. I mean, it, it looked really cool. It, he, unfortunately, he didn't bring his cat because it it ran away during the summer. But oh, really? Yeah. He, he, <laughs> He started. He started a big search in the in all of Chechnya, Grozny, calling for people to help him find his cat. And then suddenly, people, a lot of people on the internet started trolling him, sending pictures of cats from all over the world. And then he got angry. But it was a it was a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 yeah, Terry looks solid as ever. I mean, Terry Grozny is always a very difficult place to to come and play, and like, they always. At, some of the best, uh, one of the best home teams in the league, and them getting a one 0 victory at home yesterday that that wasn't really a surprise. That that was expected, and when the season is so on, I'm fairly certain they'll be in the better half at least. I they they still lack the the last talent to compete for the European spots, but due to their financial certainty and skilled coach and squad, they will always finish in the top half, and that's that's solid for them. Yeah, um, Andrew, just wanted to mention, well, you, like I said, you were at Ural Ufa. Gives it, you said mm. that Ural adopted quite an interesting formation. Do you want to just go through that with the listeners? It was quite interesting. Mm, yeah, it was um, It was a big surprise. They went with uh, wing-backs. Um, they played 4-2-3-1 last season, like many teams do. Um, but yeah, yesterday they had... Um, they had Pablo Fontanello in, in the middle of defence, and then they had uh, Dantzev on the left, who, as you know, as we know, he loves to loves to get forward and get crosses into the box. He's not necessarily the most complicated player, and a lot of his crosses were a bit predictable. But on the right, it was really interesting because they had uh, Andrew Pavlenka, um, new signing. Um, he was on the right of a sort of a fluid midfield three, and he and uh, Denis Kulikov were combining really well on the right flank and, and Gondrick himself admitted I didn't expect this and I didn't know how to deal with it initially. Um, so the midfield was run with um, a, one holding midfielder and then three of um, Pavlenka and um, and Chisamba Lungu and uh, Roman Yemelyanov and they, they all were relatively interchangeable. Uh, with Pav, uh, Pavlyuchenko up front as the target man. So it was, a, I won't quite go as far as saying total football, but um, it was certainly very fluid. Um, something I haven't seen before, and certainly in Russia. So I think if he sticks with this formation and this system and gives responsibility to the players, it could be genuinely really interesting to see how it works. Yeah, sorry to continue in the interrogation, Andrew. But the interrogation, yeah, sorry. But you, you had a lot of praise for Yemelyanov on the weekend as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I, I've always thought he's an absolutely fantastic player. And what was interesting was that he's he's holding midfield. That's his that's his position of trade. Um, he played a few games at centre back last season, but he was he was effectively a box to box midfielder. Um, and his uh, his goal after five minutes was just absolutely sensational. The technique was was wonderful. You know, you know, you get so many chances where a wing will come down. Cut the ball back to you know defenders are racing back. Cuts the ball back behind them, 
you know, midfielder comes charging in and then spoons it 20 yards over. Um, Yemelinov is not known for his finishing, but he controlled the finish so, so well. Um, he just bossed the midfield from start to finish. He was all over the place, didn't put a pass wrong. Um, and I have to be honest, I'm surprised there's not been a bit more talk of him being looked at by some of the bigger clubs with, you know, obviously with the, the quota of foreigners that are allowed. Um, I mean, he'd be he'd be a fantastic signing for any of the top sides. Um, so I hope they don't go for him. I want him to stay at Laval. Um, but I have to be honest, they'll be they'll be mad not to look at him. So it'll be interesting to see where he where he ends up this season. Okay, so I'm now taking the spotlight out of your face. Thanks for that. So, Toka, what games really stood out for you over the weekend? Or, or does one of the ones coming up, Krasnodar, Tom, Tom, Skrubin, Amkar, do any of those stand out for you? I'd, I'd be very interested in seeing the, the new Ruben Kassan. I Earlier early today, I, I said some hard words about them, but I, I'm very much looking forward to see, seeing how they perform, especially against the... One of the team from the lower half, which we know is always difficult. So, yeah, that was definitely the game for me to watch this this round because it's, it was such an interesting story. There's so many surrounding stories about it, and we I hope we get some answers. And so, yeah, that the Rubin game is definitely the the game to watch this uh, this this round. And I hope I'll be able to watch it once we're, we're done with this podcast. Yes, <laughs> don't worry, we won't keep you too long. <laughs> but anyway, just uh, just to mention again, pieces up on the website for these last round of games. And actually, we've started a new thing, which I'm not really that familiar with, but I get the general idea. This thing called Periscope. So if one of our writers happens to be at a game like Andrew was on Saturday, on Sunday, sorry, I know uh, Danny, another website writer, was at the Spartak game doing Periscope videos. So we get good, nice atmosphere of the game, which is a real treat for you. But also we give our thoughts on the matches and things. Anyway, so I want to move on to some questions because uh, we asked for some questions on Twitter and Facebook earlier. So we've got a few coming in. And just to remind the listeners, if you ever do have a question about Russian football, it doesn't matter what question it is. It doesn't matter if you think it's stupid or whatever, because if you're interested in any sort of aspect, then hopefully we can give you a nice insight into it, whether it's, you know, why do Russian clubs have so much money, something basic like that, or whether you're looking something, I don't know, why do this team play a certain way? Anyway, so the first question was from Pete Doggett on Facebook. He said, now this, I'm going to aim this at you, Andrew, because it's a Fener L question, really. Uh, he said, mm-hmm. Dinamo Moscow's prospects in the Fener L, unbeaten mm. so far, and uh, the new stadium is well on the way. So what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I think they will have a fantastic season. I, when they went down, I honestly felt like it was probably the best thing for them in the long term. The, the financial fair play restrictions meant they had to... You know, trim the you know the expensive foreigners from the from the wage bill, um, but they still kept <clears throat> not all but some of their their really good young players. They're the top of the table. They'll have a season where I can't believe they will be anything other than champions of their Fenil. Um And they have uh, Kirill Panchenko, of course. He's um, he's on loan from Cisco and he's on five goals already. Bearing in mind that the top scorer last season was Jumen um, Hasan Mamtov with sixteen. Um, and Panchenko's on five already. Um, so, yeah, the new stadium come along. Um, it can only be a good season for them. They will go up full of full of confidence. The team will get to know each other well. Um, and when they're back up, they'll, I would assume, be able to add one or two more um, top players. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's looking good for them. And I, I think it will be, be a good times for the Dynamo fans. 
Um, would you add anything to that, Toka? What would you say of Dinamo's prospects this season? Uh, I think I think Andrew described it, it, it pretty well. I think anything but uh, a, 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 a relegation promotion for for Dinamo would be a huge disappointment. And of course, they have to return to 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 the, to the Russian Premier League as soon as as possible because it is a, a huge club with a, a rich history and and fans and 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 reputation and everything. So anything but relegation uh, promotion would obviously be a disappointment. But I think. By what I've seen so far, they they have everything it takes to to be promoted. And when you look at the squad, they have they have some standout players who are really good for the FNL level. So I'm I'm pretty uh, optimistic for, on that behalf. Yeah, and Pete actually asked his second question. We'll allow him the bonus question. So he also said, Siska's lack of investment could this be the season they drop out the top three, Andrew? Uh, I I don't think so. I think it's um, it's something that people expect because they've seen the you know the sensible signings the needs have made um, and Krasnar's inevitable progress will continue uh, and and Ruin's investment could potentially be very interesting. I think they're only they're, I think they're only one or two players short of a, a genuine championship um, winning side. Um, if they get one more striker in, and I can't believe they won't be looking for um, one more given that. They, they've only really effectively got Traore. Um, Strandberg's in the squad, but I don't see him going anywhere. Um, I <clears throat> I think if they make no more signings, yes, I would agree. Um, but I think they will. Um, with one more one more striker, certainly, well, preferably two, but one minimum. Um, and I honestly see them do, doing okay. The defence long-term, of course, has to change, but I think they will still be fine for this season, Berdicuskis and Ignacevic. So, I don't see a problem there. Uh, Akinfeyev is his quality. He has had his moments that have been shaky for the last year or two, but I, I think they will be fine. They need one more signing, two more, and I'll be confident they'll stay in the top three. Yeah, I know I've been one who's been critical of that Cisco centre-half partnership, but I was saying this the other day to somebody that there's a reason that they're still playing at the top level at their age, and that's just because they're good defenders. They read the game so well, despite their lack of pace. So, you know, mm. there's something. To, it's a bit like John Terry for those watchers of English football. But Toka Siska, potential trouble outside the Champions League spots. No, I, th- I think they'll still finish uh, second probably this season. Uh, of course, it's it's getting closer in the in the top. But but when we look at, for example, Krasnodar. They, 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 just like CSK, they haven't really improved this summer. They, they bought Kapore and Kritschuk, but they were also already players they had on loan last season. So I, I think even though CSK have their limits in the squad and only have one or two strikers, they, they, we have to remember that their squad has been like this for many seasons now. And every season we talk about, okay, this, this could be the season where they, when they drop out or whether they'll be unlucky with injuries. But for some somehow they always manage to get through, even though they have have some rough periods. At, um, for example, last season when uh, Dombija and Beresutski were out with injuries. But I, I, I still think they'll finish second because they do have a lot of quality in the squad, both, both Russian players and, um, of course, also foreign players. And with Mario Fernandez getting Russian passports, they just... They, actually improved the squad without even, even buying a new player. So that was also very good news for them. Yeah, I was watching the Siska match on Saturday and I was, I was telling Andrew, actually, they showed the profile of uh, 
Fernandez and like the nationality had the big Russian flag behind him. And I was like, yeah, he's so <laughs> he's so Russian. Anyway, so on <laughs> on to uh, on to another question. This this one comes from Twitter. From I'm gonna say, uh, forgive my pronunciation. I think it's uh, Luis Cristoval. I guess um, my Portuguese isn't great. He well, it's 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 non-existent anyway. But um, what moves can we expect in the in the market? He asks. Either either one of you want to go on that. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it first, I guess. Um, I think um, <clears throat> I think we'll see certainly some more uh, signings in the sort of middle middle range teams. Um, Goncharenko said yesterday in the press conference he would um, every day of the transfer market he would try to get new players in. Um, I mean, you look at Krilia; it was the same last season. They had. Um, I think it was 16 players they had last season going into the first game, and they only only had 18 um, going into this weekend. And and Verkauten, Frank Verkauten, manager, has said he's constantly trying, um, but just getting frustrated by the lack of response from the teams he's approached. So I see a lot more a lot more investment in the middle lower range teams. Although I don't see a lot more from Zanit. I think they've got their squad more or less sorted. Like I say, Tisca, I think, should get one more player at least. Um, I don't see Locomotive sorting out their mess off the pitch, so I'm not sure they will be making many more signings. Um, so I see most of the business being in the middle, lower range of the of the league, and I expect plenty of plenty of movement there before the end of August. Yeah, same question to you, Toka, really. What, what are we expecting in the market? I think, at, at least for me personally, the most interesting thing at the, at the moment is it's also the departures, for example, will Axel leave or when will he leave? And Kaluka as well, we have talked a lot about him. We still see rumors almost on a daily basis of various big European clubs. The same with Witzel, with Everton, Chelsea, uh, Juventus, Inter, Napoli. Don't bother and, naming them all. There's about 25. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, <laughs> and, and, and against Locomotive, he was benched because Luchesco felt he lacked motivation and there was so much insecurity about his future, so I think that would be very, very interesting to to follow. And I think all parties need to to get this solved very quickly because neither Witzel nor Senate can be happy with this current state where they, they don't really know about his future. Also, of course, for Lokomotiv, for example, we know they have had some uh, financial fair play problems. So if they do sell Kaluka, of course, it will free up some money to to get in new signings. For when they hopefully sort out the whole management situation, and I, I think that's that's definitely worth keeping an eye on these big profiles if they'll leave or stay in Russia. Now I'm not one for rumors, but we've, we've spoken about Vitzel. I've seen that apparently clubs are bidding about 16, 18 million euros for him, but Zenit are holding out for 25. Now, from my personal point of view, I imagine that Zenit will hold out until the end of the transfer window, see if any anyone's stupid enough to pay the 25 before then, and then probably take 16 to 18 at the end. Would you go with that? Yeah, I think that would make sense. They they know that as as we get closer to the end of the transfer window, some clubs get more and more desperate than we see on the last day of the transfer window. You, you, you sometimes see these ridiculous fees because clubs know they don't have a lot of options left. And, of course, Witzel... Witzel is one of the last players on this, this whole central midfield, last players left on the market, which is still a, a realistic purchase this summer. So, yeah, I think that, that seems like a, a sensible approach, although it is frustrating for both Senate and, and Witzel to be so uncertain. 
Yeah, another question from Twitter comes from Ben Katzman. We did cover this earlier, but we'll just cover our ground. Why not? Um, Zenit title challenge this year, or uh, will it be another challenging year for them? Just a couple of words on that, Andrew. Um, I, without question, they'll be in the title challenge. I'd say top two. Um, I, I, for me, for me personally, I went with CSKA, but it wouldn't be a complete shock if they did win the title. So certainly a title challenge. And from you, Toka, you'd imagine title or? Yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, I was pretty sure they'd win the league, and I still I, that's still my opinion. So if they do finish outside of the Champions League, like like last season, that would be an enormous surprise to me. So yeah, definitely a, a title contender and probably even champion. Okay, and like I said before, I read these questions. We welcome all sorts of questions. I've had we've had a question from Rob Marshall on Facebook, who asks the panel, "Would you like to see a newly formed Soviet league, although obviously it wouldn't be Soviet, it'd be Soviet ex-Soviet countries, similar to the Continental Hockey League, which they have in ice hockey, which is played across ex-Soviet Union countries?" Although it's incredibly p- difficult politically, is there any chance of it in the future? He does say that that league would probably exclude the Ukrainian teams. Are we are we seeing any future in that? I, I can't believe it would um, it would actually happen. I mean, it's an interesting hypothetical question, though. Um, the, the truth is, though, that the I mean, Ukrainian league is, is is a fairly strong league, um, but it is behind the Russian league. Um, but outside that, and the other former Soviet um, countries, there, there aren't. There isn't really a huge amount of, of of quality that would motivate Russian teams to want to play against them. I, I can't imagine. Um, I don't know if it would be financially. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm saying hypothetically here, but financially, whether it would be um, a benefit or not, would be further travelling. Um, it would be it would be an interesting it would be an interesting thing. Possibly, it's like a, a a winter training tournament. That's where I would see possibly some realistic benefit. Um, you know, we, we've got three months of winter break, four months in the winter break. Um, giving some actual meaning to the uh, to, to the warm-up matches then, that might be an interesting option to go down. Um, I could see that being viable. Um, but um, anything more than that, I, I wouldn't expect to actually gain traction. So, But it's, it's there for, the, for discussion. So. And Toka, there has been history of this, but we don't think it will develop in the future. No, they, they did consider it very seriously two years ago, and had had you, had you asked me back then, I would say, yeah, that's that's probably realistic because they had, for example, Valerie Gazarev on, they had Gazprom on as other sponsors, so they had some very significant uh, people working on creating a, a league, and we even had a, a Russian and Ukrainian uh, Super Cup where the two top teams from each league played against each other. So they did they did make some actual changes and and try to make this whole in the in the beginning it was supposed to be only Russia and Ukraine but they, they did actually consider to make a league with all the former Soviet republics and it could probably have been interesting to see Dynamo Tbilisi and and Minsk and all these former great teams play, play, yeah play play against each other but but also I, I, I'd say that it is probably a bit too romantic, and I also think what makes a league interesting is also the that it is a national league, and it is the the national tension you get in the league where, where the teams play each other, and if they are to meet teams from Kazakhstan and Ukraine and Georgia and 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 Estonia, it, I think it would be way too big, and the level of the league would probably fall as well if if you include too many teams. 
and then of course there's the whole problem with relegation and promotion and European spots and how would all that work out? I, I think it would be a big mess in the end and I don't think there would be any winners from that apart from maybe Senate and, and Shakhtar Donetsk and CSK, the, the biggest clubs of them all. So, Andrew, two men wouldn't fancy an away trip to Skonto Riga then, would they? Ah, uh, no, it wouldn't be worth our while. We've got, <laughs> we've got proper opponents in, like, Dynamo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think that pretty much um, brings the end of the podcast. Like I said, do keep sending you those questions because we really like them. We, we love, love being challenged with those questions as well. So send a challenging question. They're good fun. Anyway, so once again, thanks to the guests, Andrew. Pleasure as always. Well, thank you, Thomas. Yes, and Toka, the editor, as always. Great work on the site and keeping it up and yeah. running and everything. Great to have you with you us. You too, man. Thank you. Okay, so again, RussianFootballNews.com, at RussFootballNews on Twitter. Russian Football News Facebook, search, like, um, subscribe to this podcast, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, and give it a nice review as well so you get more. And introduce it to your friends. Let's, let's kick it off a bit. Anyway, so we will see you on the next podcast, and we hope you enjoyed this one. Идет футбольный матч, летит над полем мяч. Идет футбольный матч, летит над полем мяч.